Excited to be at church today. Um, I just want to say a couple of things real quick. <laughs> real quick. Um, so where's Tim Harris at? So Tim Harris told you a story and he said, I don't know how to tell it. I said, just tell it. And he told Brian, I don't know how to tell it. And Brian said, just tell it. <laughs> um, but Tim's here by the grace of God. And witnessed firsthand a miracle of the Lord. And I just want to ask, can anybody else have a reason to praise the Lord today? I mean, can we just give God some some thanks and some praise? Like, I mean, you have a reason to praise the Lord, right? I mean, you're here, you're awake, you're breathing, you're walking. Your prayers may not have been answered, as Brian said, every single time, like you may have asked, or maybe how you, uh, you know, manipulated your prayer to please the Lord in one way, or to maybe entice Him to act on one way. Well, I would just tell you, look around. We have children's church out in the cemetery teaching our children how to serve the Lord and work outside of just a weekly worship attendance by cleaning the grave headstones of, of people who have passed on. Can we just give God a hand clap of praise? If you have a reason to be thankful, man, we need to praise the Lord. And here's what I want to tell you before I go any further. Um, you know, Tim's story is incredible, and maybe you've heard similar ones like it. Uh, I was going to tell you a cool story how I jumped on a trampoline and broke my foot, um, <laughs> but it didn't sound nearly as cool as his story. He got into a, a, a gunfight and has a little almost pimple-sized scar on his forehead, and I jumped on a trampoline with my daughter and broke my foot. Um, you know, we're just in a different class. Uh, however... I do want to just say one thing before we go any further. We're going to start a series. I don't know if we have anybody leaving. Is anybody leaving? I don't want to hold the youth up. Any youth going outside, downstairs, or anything? Are you all staying put? Staying put? I don't know what you all have planned. But what I want to say, we're going to start today a series through the book of Romans. And we're going to be reading through Romans for the rest of the summer. And it's going to take us a while. So... What I want to do is I want you to know that during the summertime, you may notice that people travel a lot. And here's what I want you to do. I want us to go into what I've called it uh, village mode over the next few weeks, months, maybe even years. Here's what village mode means. You always heard this phrase that it takes a village to raise a child. And it does. It takes, you know, dedicated parents, grandparents, guardians, aunts, uncles, but it takes a church family. So whenever you bring your children or your grandchildren in here or whenever you as an adult six, sit next to other adults, what I want us to really focus on as we go through this book, as many believe that this could be the most powerful and beautiful book ever written, um, you know, obviously in the scriptures, but even outside of the Bible as a book itself, one of the most powerful and beautiful writings that you will ever read. What I want us to do is, as a church, I want us to really go kind of village mode, if I may invite you to do so. What that means is, over the next few weeks and months, I want you and people around you to truly take serious the raising up of your children or their children, but also the edification of brothers and sisters next to you, so that we can, as a church, I don't have a belt on, so this is crackling like crazy in my pocket. But what I want us to do is really focus on, and here's why. As Brian was singing that song, I thought about our church. And if you look around our church, you see different people of various ages and people who have been in church for a very long time or people who may be brand new to church. 
And what I want you to know is that you and I, we are the church of the living God. You and I are. Not how we can entertain you for an hour on a Sunday morning. Not programs that we offer, although those things are important and part of it. But you and I are certainly the church. And what I want us to focus on as we read through this book of Romans written by the Apostle Paul is just as Paul was longing to be with those people, I want us to have that same desire to long to be with godly people that will edify us and we will edify them and we will build each other up constantly just walking this road together this path this journey that we all navigate differently and we all go through different seasons i I just want to invite you now to truly just kind of join me and all of us if if you so desire to really just walk alongside each other build each other up and be reminded that church may be fun at times Church may be emotional at times. Church may be, but what I don't want us to ever get into is, is a goosebump themed church, if I may say that. I don't ever want us to be a goosebump driven church because goosebump driven church attendees will find other goosebump driven churches and will never truly be filled or built up in the word and by the spirit of God. So what I want us to do is to truly grow in God's word. May it take deep root and may we kind of come into this great village, working together, reaching out to others who have prayer concerns, building each other up in the Lord. So whenever we finally face him one day, when we are standing before the Lord one day, we will be confident in order to stand there. And we will also be confident in our brothers and our sisters around us whenever their time to stand before the Lord. So... With that being said, I hope and pray we have a wonderful summer. I pray that the Lord does marvelous things, and I want to invite you into truly growing with us this summer through this book. So without further ado, let's go to Romans chapter 1. I want to read verses 1 through 17 and then give you a little, um, you know, a few points to go along with this particular passage of Scripture, kind of guiding us into the rest of this marvelous book. Romans chapter 1, I'll give you just a second to get there. And Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart of the gospel, for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God and power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because of because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I just want to stop right there. And I want to just say for just a moment, Michaela, I are so thankful for all of you. We are, as Paul was privileged to minister with and worship alongside with wonderful people. I have to thank God constantly for all of you, for all of your work, for all of your service, for all of your generosity, for all of your time, for all of your talents, 
we as a church operate the way that we do and we're able to grow the way that we've grown and we're able to serve the way that we're served. We're able to give the way that we're giving because of all of you. So please don't think that you're not doing anything because you are. Now, can you do more? Possibly. Are you doing enough? We never are. So please never get discouraged that you aren't doing enough and then you don't have a pulpit, therefore you don't have a purpose. I'm telling you, if it were not for all of you, this would not happen. So I just want to thank you because I, Michaela and I, thank the Lord for you all because your faith is proclaimed, may not be reaching all the world in various countries, although we do, but our church, our beautiful family and congregation here is able to serve our communities well and give to people who need us, and we are able to love the world that God has placed us in. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have been that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So that's where I want to stop today. And I want to make three points to go along with that particular text because this is the introduction of Paul's letter and he's about to unfold one of the most powerful readings that you will read and we're going to go through all 16 chapters we're going to go uh, some weeks we may cover one chapter some weeks we may cover two chapters worth of material or, or writing and we're going to break it up so that we all grow but there's three things that we see in this particular passage of scripture that's also going to propel us into the coming weeks So before we get to those, let me just reiterate a little bit of context, a little bit of background knowledge. Maybe you're not familiar with this particular book and who wrote it, where it was written from, when it was written, and what it's intended to do. This was the letter of Paul, as your Bible may say, to the Romans. Letter of Paul to the Romans. And this is written by the Apostle Paul, who we all know as Saul, who went and was devouring you know, Christian communities and persecuting the church, who on that road to Damascus was confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ. He was converted to following Jesus. And then he went and he preached the gospel. And he was called by Christ to preach and to reach the Gentiles. And he is writing to a group of people, group of Christians and churches in a, in a general region of Rome, one of the most powerful cities and, and one of the most prosperous areas of the world during this particular time. And this was written by the Apostle Paul, most likely written as he was in Corinth, visiting and, and doing missionary work. And he was writing and anticipating a trip to Rome that he actually did not really get to meet the people that he was writing to due to uh, circumstances. However, it was written, as most scholars believe, around 56 to 57 A.D., All right, so Jesus was born in roughly 3 or 2 B.C. Jesus ascended into heaven around 33 
A.D., 30 to 33 A.D. We're talking 20-ish years, 23 years after Jesus had ascended into heaven is this letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Roman Christians. Whenever you read through this, we're going to look at three big points in this particular passage of Scripture that's going to set us up for, for what's to come. The first thing is this, the clarification of the gospel. We must understand the gospel. Paul is writing to a group of people who are both Jew and Gentile. And the reason that what you'll see a lot in this particular text is first the Jew, then the Gentile, or the Jews and the Greeks. And you'll see that a lot because this church was originally originally planted by Jews who were persecuted from their homeland, who were Jews that turned to Christ, the following Christ. They were persecuted and they spread from their homeland. And what they did is they went all throughout the world, what? Preaching the gospel. The very same thing that was the cause of death and persecution is what they went around preaching. And they went around preaching, they make it to Rome, and they're preaching the good news of Jesus, the gospel. And what happens is, due to governing authorities and change of leadership, the Jews were driven out of Rome and had to go back to Jerusalem. And it is believed that whenever they left, some stayed, but many left, some you know, some were in fear of dying there, some were in fear of going back to Jerusalem and dying, so they just stayed put. And what happened was the Gentiles, the Greeks, the non-Jewish people, so for those of you that don't know, you, would, you and I would be a Gentile because we are not Jewish. So because we are a Greek or a Gentile, this was written to people like you and me who were not born in the Jewish descent, who did not have a, a background in Judaism, and they were considered outcasts for many years by the Jewish people or by the children of God. So what happens is the, the Jewish people that turn to following Jesus are persecuted and they are driven out of their homeland. They make it to Rome. They plant a church. They're worshiping Jesus, following God. And what happens is many of them are, are sent back home. They're, they're kind of driven back out of Rome. And the Gentiles realize, hey, we can do this. And what happens is you have the Jewish way of doing church that's now following Jesus. And then you have a new spin on how church operates because the Gentiles are picking up the, the leadership in the church and the operation of the church. And what Paul is doing is Paul is wanting to clarify the gospel first. Paul is wanting to unite the church by both the Jewish descent and the, the Gentile Greek descent and bring them all together by one name. And that name is Jesus. And what also Paul is going to do over the course of this letter is to proclaim and to define in numerous ways the righteousness of God. So first, there is the clarification of the gospel. Second, there is the unity of the church. Third, there is the righteousness of God. So first, the clarification of the gospel. What Paul is wanting to ensure is that they are not twisting the gospel, that the Jewish people that were you know, persecuted and, and made their way up were not preaching something different than the Gentiles were. He's wanting to clarify the gospel as the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for our sin and to give us eternal life. So what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to clarify the gospel. The gospel literally means good news. The gospel is also power of salvation. So what the gospel is, is it's not just a good news message of, hey, someone came and he lived and he died for me and then he rose again. But that same gospel that is preached to tell me good news of Jesus is the same message of Jesus that I am saved by. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ that tells us that our sins have been paid for on a cross and our, and our debt had been paid in full by Christ Jesus alone and the tomb was left empty. Therefore, those who walk by faith, as Paul ended verse 17, 
He says that the righteous shall live by faith. That you and I as unrighteous people can be made right in Christ alone. So the righteousness of God is given to us through faith in Christ. Therefore, the good news of Jesus is that you and I, filthy, ragged people, sinners, can be made saints and can be saved from our eternal punishment in a place we know is hell. That is the good news. That is the good news. The good news of Jesus is not that you will be rich. The good news of Jesus is not that you'll never have problems. The good news of Jesus is not that everything's going to be great all of the time. You're never going to suffer. You're never going to struggle. You're never going to lose people. You're never going to hurt. You're never going to, you know, have broken moments. The good news of Jesus is that you and I are no longer destined to hell. That's the good news. That we can reign forever and ever in His glory and His majesty by our faith in Christ alone. And nothing that we could do, nothing else that the world can offer, but by Christ and Christ alone. That is our good news. That we can be saved by Christ. That we can be washed in His blood. That we can be set free from the bondage and the eternal payment, punishment of our sin. So whenever we understand the clarification of the gospel that will give us our motivation to live. If our understanding of the gospel is that Jesus is going to make my life better, well, when life gets hard, you walk away. When, when our understanding of the gospel is, well, Jesus is going to make me rich and you lose your job, you walk away. But whenever you understand the gospel as the foundation of your faith is that through Christ and Christ alone, I can be saved from my sin. I can be forgiven and made new as a new creation. Old things have passed away. New has come. And I have a heavenly home, a mansion, whether it be little or whether it be big, made by the very hands that were nailed to a cross for me. Therefore, we can endure all seasons. We can navigate all circumstances because our foundation and our understanding of the gospel is not a physical realm but it is a spiritual realm that you and i can be forgiven of our sin we can be set free and we can be made new therefore i will live forever and ever then we know that the power of the gospel is salvation it saves those who follow believe trust in and depend upon the lord those who wait upon the lord and believe is more than just, yeah, I think it happened. You know, you, so many people can have a poor understanding of what it means to truly believe in the Lord. Believing in the Lord is not just, yeah, I believe it may have happened. Believing in Christ as Lord is to truly depend upon and trust in Him as your means of salvation and as your way to eternal life in Christ. To know and believe and trust in Him that He will walk alongside of you in your valley moments. That He will be there to push you forward in times where you can't look straight ahead of you or even lift your head up. Or feel like the weight of the world is on you or your life is spinning out of control. To depend on Him, to wait on Him, and to rely on Him. So that is the clarification of the gospel. The second point is the unity of the church. Let me... I want you to raise your hand if you came to church with somebody today. And you're not in trouble if you didn't come with somebody. I just wanted you to know. Did you Raise your hand if you came with your spouse. Are you and your spouse the exact same person? Just keep your hands raised if you are. The exact same person. Could you imagine another Jared Knapp? <laughs> Could you imagine that? The world would be better, Adam said. 
But you and your spouse are the exact person, right? No, not at all. Raise your hand if you believe you and your spouse are the exact opposite person. One's a slob, one's perfectionist. One's neat and tidy, the other one just doesn't care. One one likes to eat, one's concerned about it. I mean, just raise your hand. We're all the exact opposite. So what that means is, we, you know, the old saying, opposites attract. Praise the Lord, right? Because if if not, then you and I, we would tend to meet people and date people and marry people and, and raise families with people who are the exact same. And I have to tell you, and you can you can judge me for this if you want, but I I love myself in ways I would hate to live with myself. I, I would hate it because I know how crazy I really am. And if my wife was as crazy as I was, it would be, it would be like the Hatfield and McCoys all over again in my own house. You know, we, it would be horrible. It would be miserable. Thank God that my wife is the exact opposite. So where I'm a little, you know, sporadic and I'm a little wired up, my wife's a grounding, grounding point and a rock that holds everything steady and will bring me back down to earth and level me back down. Thank God. But the problem is, if we're not careful, we'll allow our, our differences to divide us over time rather than complementing one another. And the same is true with church. Let's, let's take a little analysis, and I want you to be completely honest with me. Raise your hand if you prefer old music 100% to the new music. Just raise your hand. Raise your Brian, you've seen all these? Now raise your hand if you prefer the new music more than the old music. So, so we've got a different level of people. Now raise your hand if you just don't care. You just don't care. Like You're just glad you're not the one on stage and no one's asking you to sing. So here's what I'll tell you. We had three different groups of people. We have people that prefer old music. We have people that prefer new music. We have people that really don't care and they just enjoy it all. So the beautiful thing is that I don't know how many people are here today, but each and every one of us are slightly different than our neighbor. We may have similar preferences. We may have similar tastes, you know, in food or, or hobbies or habits, but we're all slightly different. The Jewish way of doing church and operating church was a lot different than the Greek way and the Gentile way of operating church. This is why Paul was wanting to reiterate over and over and over that the gospel in the, in the saving and the salvation to the world was first to the Jew because of the lineage of Christ as he came through the, the lineage of Abraham. As you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, that God promised Abraham to make him the father of many nations. And he said that through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed, not just the Jews, but even the Gentiles, that one day they would come together and they would, they would mesh together and, you know, kind of like a puzzle piece. They would be pieced together little by little. And over time, they would create this beautiful picture of people who were all vastly different, some slightly different, some vastly different, but would all come together. And that's what Paul's wanting to do. And that's what we must continue to do as a church. And which is why I have to, and I try not to be boastful, but I have to brag on our church so much. Because in the last six years that we've been here, we have seen a whole lot of change. Just raise your hand if you can say amen to that. We've had a lot of business meetings. We've had a lot of renovations. We've had a lot of decisions to be made. We've had a lot of conversations. We've had a lot of prayer meetings. We've had a lot of things happen. And if we were not careful or if we were not christ 
gospel focused, there would be many people that would have walked away because we went with pews rather than chairs or we put chairs in front behind. The, I, I mean, you could go on and on. We replaced all the flooring. Um, we, we drywalled all the walls. There are a lot of things that have happened to this building and on this property that if we were not gospel focused people, the church would have been split in half. But I praise the Lord all of the time because of everything that has happened over the last six years and to see the church continue to thrive and to grow and to grow stronger together through our differences being being met. So this is why we must be focused as a church to constantly remain Christ-centered. That whether it's new songs or whether it's old songs or whether it's preacher in a suit or preacher in shorts because his fat leg won't fit into pants, uh, whatever the case is, that we are all focused on the gospel of Jesus being our centerpiece and our driving force. The gospel of Jesus must be our centerpiece, what we focus on, and it must be what drives us to tomorrow. That you and I aren't here to attract people so that they can come and be entertained or they may laugh a little or they may enjoy the music or, or the entertainment. But they are coming so that they may be hungry and thirsty for the Lord and they may be satisfied. That they may be fed and that they may be equipped and that they may be built up in the Lord with people that are completely different from them. People that have Pentecostal backgrounds, that have Catholic backgrounds, that have Church of Christ backgrounds. They all come together and they, mesh, and they make this beautiful picture of people just like the church in Rome. And the third thing is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Whenever you understand the gospel of Jesus, you understand or you begin to get a glimpse. And the, and the longer you live following the Lord and the deeper you grow in your relationship with God, the greater you read and study and know the scriptures, the more you will come to understand the righteousness of God through the gospel of Christ and I want to read something uh, from my study Bible. This is why I carried it over here. It was something that I, I want to read to you. And then I'll conclude my, my third point. According to the ESV study Bible that I use, there is an introduction into each book of the Bible. And it gives you a little context. And, and it's a great resource. But the theme that they wrote for this entire book, all 16 chapters, is this. The theme of Romans is the revelation of God's judging and saving righteousness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the cross of Christ, God judges sin and yet at the same time manifests his saving mercy. That is the good news. That at the cross of Christ, God's fullness of his wrath and the fullness of his mercy and grace can meet. And they who we have a hard time believing that someone who could be full of wrath and anger could also be full of mercy and grace. But that is our God. And what we'll do is over the next few weeks, couple months that we have together, we're going to navigate this beautiful letter where we're going to get into a glimpse of God's righteousness, his holiness. But at the same time, as he is full of righteousness and holiness, he's also full of mercy and grace. Because if if he was not full of mercy and grace, you and I would have no reason to be here. You and I are, are sinful-natured people who have sinful-natured habits at times, who have sinful-natured thoughts at times. And what God does is he takes his wrath and his mercy and grace and they meet at the cross. And as the cross of Christ, which is the foundation of our faith, as he is not just the author of, but he's the perfecter or the finisher of our faith as well. 
So what we're going to do is through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to get into Paul's writing about, about the righteousness of God. We're going to see that his integrity as a judge never wavers. And we're also going to see that he as a judge of integrity is also a faithful, gracious God. You know, it's very difficult sometimes to view a judge of integrity because we know that a judge is someone that rewards good and punishes bad. But Jesus did that for you and he did that for me. It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ that you and I will begin to see the righteousness of God our Father and the pure unrighteousness of man. As we dig into next week, starting in verse 18, and we'll read throughout the rest of chapter 1, whenever you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home today. Don't do it right now because I'm almost done. Go home today, and I want you to read verses 18 through 32 and tell me if that does not sound like 2022 in our current day and age. Here's what you're going to see. In this letter, Paul is writing to a group of people And he's writing about the same thing that people in 2022 struggle with as well. And he's writing about the unrighteousness of man and God's wrath to be poured upon it. And next week we're going to be digging into that that section of scripture. And we're going to see. So I want to end with asking you this question. Have you ever asked your spouse or your child or someone you know, what's your problem? What's your problem? Have you asked them before church? What's your problem? (laughs) Well, next week we're going to answer it. And I promise you, you're not going to like the answer. Because the answer is you. The answer is me. The answer always has been mankind. But the beauty of the gospel of Christ is that on the cross of Calvary, God's wrath and anger was met by God's mercy and His grace, and it manifests itself in a church being birthed on the day of Pentecost, and the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed till 2022. And just as Jesus told Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we're here to preach because the gates of hell will never prevail against the gospel message of my Savior. Therefore, I don't care if I'm, if I'm chair bound or not. There's going to be times where I am excited to preach the gospel because why? The gates of hell will never prevail against it. No political party, no worldly power, no one will ever prevail against my God. Because 2,000 years later, we're still preaching about the same name. We're still sharing the good news about the same person. We're still looking at the same cross as an image of our victory and the foundation of our faith. And we're still singing songs about the same destination. Why? Because nothing will ever prevail against our God. That's what I'm looking forward to the most is that each and every week that when you come here and we read through this, this book, this wonderful writing of the apostle Paul, you're going to be reminded Sunday after Sunday that God's mercy and his grace that was given to you and lavishes upon you. He's never revoked from you. And we are reminded that there is nothing that will overpower him. He's not looking down on you and thinking, man, you've really messed up this week. I guess I better take my salvation back and then you'll, you'll do well and earn it back. His mercy and His grace was met at the cross. Therefore, you and I can rest assured and have the blessed assurance as we walk by faith that the righteousness of God will cover 
us in our brokenness by faith in Christ and Christ alone. That is the good news, that you and I can be saved, that you and I can be made right by Jesus Christ. Let's pray.